0: Ladies, come join Dr. Zoe Hodson and I in this amazing episode where I chat to her in detail about the perimenopause, symptoms, how you potentially think or suspect or know that you are in the perimenopause and what to do next. So how to approach your GP or medical professional for some support and assistance next. So as always, please rate the episode if you find it useful. The ratings help the episode to grow as well as your subscriptions. So again, if you find this episode really resonates with you, then I would absolutely love it if you could subscribe to the podcast and why not share it out there with the other amazing females in your life. The wider and deeper we can spread this message, the better it is for every female that we love to experience a much happier and healthier menopause journey. So let's jump into this episode. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Body Positive Mum Podcast. As always, I am your host, Adele Johnston, but super excited this week to have a special guest with us yet again. Dr. Zoe Hodson has joined us for a second episode, so I feel super duper privileged. And if you haven't already listened to our first episode together, you should definitely check that out. Zoe goes through quite a lot of detail around myths around the menopause, around myths around HRT and we talk quite a lot in detail around the start of your kind of menopause and what that is. So definitely go back and check out episode 31 if you have not already but I am very privileged to welcome you back Zoe. Thank you so much for giving up some time this evening after a long day in the clinic to come and speak to me and the listeners my fellow ladies around that's okay menopause. Again. <laughs> thank you so always one of my favorite topics oh totally yes I know I think you can probably see from the last time we spoke in October time to now this is February it's definitely a, a, a kind of road that I've taken myself on definitely deepening my awareness and knowledge and there's yeah. there's never a non-learning day, it's just constant. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I would love to use this episode with you to dive a bit deeper then into you know we've talked already about kind of what is menopause, you know, what are the, the kind of treatment options etc in the past episode. So I don't want to kind of dig those back up again. I'd rather use this, if you're okay with it, as an opportunity to go a bit more into what if I suspect I'm perimenopausal, what the kind of next steps in my journey would be as a woman? So I've kind of, you know, maybe been experiencing some symptoms. From your point of view, what can I expect then to do next?
1: I think, I mean, the the first thing that we're really, really keen to raise awareness of is that women do realise that it's perimenopause because very often when we see women at the clinic, they may have had really debilitating symptoms for about five years. And because they haven't recognized what's going on um, and the symptoms fluctuate so much, very often they may have visited their GP, but that might've been with migraines at one point. And then a couple of months later, it could be um, recurrent urine infections. A couple of months later, it could be something like a frozen shoulder. and what happens is each symptom can be treated individually and nobody, because the woman isn't recognising it, um, GP appointments are so short um, that nobody is putting the dots together. So I think as a starting point, it would be absolutely amazing if, um, a bit like sort of when your periods start, you get grudging lessons in it. There aren't lessons that you don't want to go to, but at least you have an awareness of what's going to happen. And I think even with that, so with puberty, there's an awareness that it's a transition time, that it's not just going to happen overnight, that it can affect people differently. Same with antenatal care, you get lessons, you're encouraged to make friendships, you're encouraged to talk about things. And then it comes to perimenopause, and it can often feel like tumbleweed. Mm-hmm. And I think the that's, that's it's so brilliant that the voice is really gaining momentum on social media, and I think women are becoming much more curious. And we're noticing that younger women are starting to come and see us at the clinic. You often, they, they, it's almost a bit like the rabbit in the headlights where they have booked the appointment, but then they'll arrive and say, am I in the right place? <laughs> yeah. Yes, you are in the right place. And I'd say that if you're thinking that it's perimenopause, it probably is perimenopause. There aren't many other conditions that will cause that fluctuation in symptoms. And so many symptoms, and I think that's the other thing as well, that when you realise that there are hormone and oestrogen receptors throughout your body, then it starts to make sense.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It, thing of The If you didn't realise that, then how on earth would you relate receding gums to joint pains, to migraines, to changing periods? That just wouldn't make sense at all. Yeah. And this is where um, either tracking your symptoms, as you said, with the balance app or looking at the there's a menopause symptom questionnaire Mm -hmm. and you start to read and that only covers a sort of a tiny proportion of the symptoms that people can get so you can get itchy skin I think you mentioned that last time yes it's bad dry dry eyes you can get ear problems you can get tinnitus you can Mm -hmm. get dizziness Mm -hmm. it's that that thing of something is changing
2: Mm
1: -hmm. and women will say I just don't feel me and I just don't feel quite right Mm -hmm gets that awareness. And the other thing, I think, is the, the time factor. So historically, we've always assumed that this, from children, I think we've always assumed that this will, will happen when I'm old. And then suddenly you start to get symptoms in your early 40s and there is a mm-hmm. bit of a, no, 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 that can't be happening. Yeah. Um, I'm not willing to even think about this. This is the wrong time. And you have to, to look at the way everything behaves in nature. There's a sort of this it's a, a curve. So mm-hmm. there'll be an average. So the average age of menopause is 51. Mm-hmm. But menopause can last seven to 10 years. And then when you start to think that one in 20 women will become menopausal between 40 and 45, well, perimenopause is going to be earlier and then one in 100 under 40, one in a thousand under thirty, and one in ten thousand under twenty. Mm-hmm. And this is—it's been since we met last time. It's been really encouraging that the younger voice is starting to come through as well. Yeah. So there's brilliant accounts on social media um, from women that have. I mean, the, the, there's a um, one called I think it's premature menopause fourteen.
0: Mm-hmm. Haley it's
1: menopause started. Yeah. Um, And then you've got all the women as well that have had surgical menopause or Mm -hmm. menopause due to medication or chemotherapy or radiotherapy. So I think it's, again, I really, really wish we could change the name of it. If we could just call it female hormone deficiency instead.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Stop
1: looking at 51, period, stopping. That's that's the only time you can have these symptoms. Yeah. Because it's just fogging the picture for everyone, for healthcare professionals, for women. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's, yeah, it's if you think it's happening, it probably is.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, I think that that's just a really beautifully presented way of explaining that there's a lot goes on in your body. And yeah. for a lot of us women, we can go through stages where we just think, maybe I'm just stressed. You know, I've got yeah. quite a lot going on at work or the kids are playing up. You know, there's the current situation that we're in with covid you know, all the lockdown and, and and probably women are starting to think, well, maybe I'm just stressed or maybe my diet's not great or it's lifestyle factors. But it's like you say, if you suspect that it is perimenopause, it more than likely will be perimenopause.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the time to start learning and start reading and um start educating yourself and then mm-hmm. choosing your journey. Mm-hmm. And I- um again the more you know about it because it it can appear quite terrifying Mm -hmm. sort of lots of stories on social media about how horrendous it is Mm -hmm. yeah I think a lot of that is um fear of the unknown and I mean it can be really debilitating I'm not not going to lie about that but Mm -hmm. I think if we as a as a collective can sort of join up and support each other um and say sort of we're we're here for you yeah um, and start talking about it I mean again going back to things like antenatal care Mm -hmm. fairly terrifying when you're pregnant for the first time and it's this you you see all these horror stories but if you've got a collection of women to see through yeah through it don't you yeah and you've got some support
0: yeah like you you've absolutely highlighted there you know community is such a big thing and I think being able to resonate with others and think oh my god i'm experiencing that and i'm not the only one all of a sudden yeah. we don't feel the level of embedded shame that can come yes. with like yeah. you've said you know it's it's that word of menopause sometimes yeah. we get that impression that oh but that's only for old people and no we don't talk about it yeah. and actually it's far from it that we're starting and to I think hear more I and mean,
1: again it's, it's still not widely represented mm. um but I know, sort of, Becky Quick, um, she, she and I talk a lot, so she's the menopause psychologist. It
2: mm-hmm.
1: should be celebrated in a way because you're moving, and it's called mm. the second and you're moving towards the next version of yourself. Yeah. And yeah. a wiser version of yourself, um, and yeah. possibly a bolshier version of yourself that well. doesn't take the crap any longer. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> we yeah. should absolutely. And we want to see mm-hmm. these. So they're starting to come through now, um, the women who are on the sort of the other side of this journey, and mm-hmm. they're nailing it. Mm-hmm. And um, we obviously see a lot of them in clinic, and many women, it's a, a really, really, it's a really interesting transition. Um, mm-hmm. Women seem to, they dig right down, they're shedding lots of labels that they've carried for years, mm-hmm. um, and very often we'll see women change careers, and they'll say, I need. I've, I'm. I'm. I'm really drawn to this new career because it. It speaks to me. Mm-hmm. I'm very grounding about it. And again, I think to get to that, mm-hmm. you, the transition, you have to shed a lot of stuff that you've been carrying around with you for a long time, and a lot of that mm-hmm. that society has told you you have to carry, mm-hmm. and a lot of dears that society have told you have to be in place. And if we can shift that whole thing that the menopause means that's that's it your has been mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. at all yeah i to start it. sort of knocking the fear out of this
0: yeah I love that I absolutely love that and do you know if we can all do just a little bit to get there that's the goal right mm-hmm. It's about just raising that awareness and that's again why I'm so grateful that you've taken time to just come and have this conversation with us as well and You know, even if one person takes a nugget of information from this episode, it's done its job. Um,
1: So, I think the other, I mean, the other brilliant mm -hmm. thing about social media that we're seeing as well is, again, you may find that, especially if you're younger, that Mm -hmm. within your friend group, nobody really wants to talk about this or acknowledge it at the moment. But you will often find new menopause buddies Mm -hmm. along Mm -hmm. of all different ages. Yeah. Very true, I think actually. Thing as well. Yeah. You, you you gather your tribe.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And this is it. You know, eventually you are going to have periods where all your good old friends do come together because it takes people. We're not all the same. We're going to go through this mm-hmm. at different stages, at different times, and and we might have those of us who are quite open minded to it and think, right, I'll learn and I'll ask questions and I'll figure out what I need to do for my journey. But then we'll have others who, like you say, become a little bit more kind of switched off from that and think, oh, God, I don't want to face this. And, you know, maybe if I just don't talk about it, it'll go away. And that's not bad. It's not wrong. It's all in a way of coping. And we just have to make it more aware that actually there's no shame in any of this. And it is a vulnerable stage of life that we need that support to be there for us.
1: It is. And I think it's a, again, it's a really, it can be a really strange time um, because even with the sort of the physiology and psychological changes, there are times when you feel that you really, really just want to be alone.
2: Mm.
1: That can be really hard to explain to other people in your life, particularly partners. um, Because I think there's this, you often become almost hypersensitive to noise and you just want to cocoon for a little while and Mm. take that time. And again, I relate that back to being a teenager. You need lots and lots of best time, don't you, to transition through because you're changing, you're moving into a different stage.
0: Yeah.
1: That takes energy. And then there are other times where you you want people around you. You mm-hmm. definitely want so I think again with partners, um, again so you, often you, you can't explain what you're feeling or what it is that's going on. But I think mm-hmm. it's just that thing of this will come to an end. Mm-hmm doesn't mean that I dislike you. I just am needing more time to myself at the moment. I still love you very much, but Mm -hmm. I just want to hide away a little bit. Yeah. And I think the the most helpful thing, I mean, mine was quite a rocky road to begin with. And one of the most helpful things that my partner would say, I didn't want solutions necessarily. When Mm -hmm. I had things, I didn't want him to say, do this, this and this to fix it. And we sort of came to this agreement, finally, that he would say, what do you need?
0: Oh, and very often nice. it
1: would be a cup of tea. Yeah. Yeah, that's I'd
0: nice. A
1: cup of tea. <laughs> that's what I need. I can't... My brain's too full. Mm-hmm. I flame this. I can't vocalise this. Just want a cup of tea. Yeah. And that would be lovely.
0: <laughs> do you know, that's... It's a point that I never even thought... You're going you're gonna to think, oh my God, I'm crazy. But I actually was speaking to my husband a lot about this because I was saying to him recently, you know, there's probably quite a gap there. And I asked him the question, would he want to learn more about the menopause and right. what I am going to experience? And potentially, you know, I might have it all right or I might have at the other end of the spectrum where it's a hellish period of my life and right. everything in between. So, I, you know, I'd asked him, we'd experienced quite a rough journey with my mum and it Uh really tore our relationship apart for a good number Uh of years. And none of us knew why this was happening, Uh but it was almost like a complete cosmic smash of two people coming together. You know, I would not long had babies, so my hormones Uh were wild. She was going through the menopause, her hormones were wild. And we just never put two and two together to think we're Uh just at the stage of life right now where we can't serve each other. We can't be there yeah. to support one another in the way that we both needed. So, yes. it's only been recently that that became a light bulb moment for me personally. But the point you've just made around partners is quite apt because I'd had the conversation with my husband Sean to say, you know, what what if anything would you want to know about the menopause? Um, Do you kind of want like to be aware of what to expect? And you almost have to then have the same conversation with the others in the in the household, the children, yeah, you know again, yeah. do you want to know about it because actually there's there's going to be a journey we all have to take, and it's going to impact each of us, not just yeah. me
1: and I think you you do you gauge who wants to know what, don't you so um I mean, Andy. My partner didn't have much choice because it was sort of, you're going to know about this because I'm going through it. Yeah. And he just got used to sitting there with me having podcasts about vaginas going on in the background. And um, <laughs> I'd read like him bits word. out of books. So it was because I know he's sort of slightly squeamish about anything medical, so yeah, I, it was, It brought me a, a little bit of pleasure to do that. And then I... So my middle daughter is going through embracing teenager dumb at the moment. Okay. And so the youngest one, all we, all we say is because she will say, has Martha got hormones today? Mm-hmm. And we, yes, Martha's got hormones. Um, and then she's seen my HRT. Mm-hmm. So I said, and I've got hormones. <laughs> and that's just, that's enough for her.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Was to steer clear of older sister that day. But she doesn't quite understand what's going on, but that's a sort of sign that she probably doesn't want to be bothered. Yeah. And if it is bothered, it's probably going to kick off an unnecessary fight. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you can pitch it, can't you, to yeah. what take on board Um. and what they can accept. Completely. But again, this is a, a massive thing that we need in the workplace as well.
0: hmm Massive.
1: Because again, yeah. it's that whole thing, if you can support these women
2: mm-hmm.
1: through a few... Wobbly years, they are going to be the best employees. Completely.
0: Completely. And we touched on this on our last episode. We talked about workplace menopause and we'd kind of highlighted, I think you'd given me an astonishing figure of about 20% of women will resign or request a demotion because of their own self belief and inner thoughts around their capabilities. And it's at a time, if you think about when the average woman within the UK is set to go through their menopause years, the, the perimenopause up to menopause, they are really hitting that period in their careers where they're probably have been climbing the career ladder all their you know teenage to 20 to 30s. And then they hit that period where they think, I'm in a really senior position in a senior role. And actually, I don't think I can do this anymore. Yeah, And you're spot on then around that workplace support that
1: isn't just... It's just so it's short-sighted, necessary. isn't it? Because we're wasting mm-hmm. all these brilliant, brilliant brains. And I think, yeah. again, there's a huge amount of work to do to acknowledge the difference between the way that women and men work and their skill set. And mm-hmm. they do there's mm-hmm. a, a heck of a lot that women can bring to the workplace. Absolutely, a different model.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. And we need to not be just dismissing and letting these women disappear
0: completely for the sake of what sometimes it's it's,
1: starting to to be recognized now
0: yeah i mean it is there's there's absolutely the more noise that's made the more kind of that's put forward and and i think as well the more that women are taking control of Mm -hmm. this you know it's it's not a like we go back to this whole shameful period of life it is not that at all if we experience hot flushes within meetings why not be able to say really sorry i'm having a hot flush i just need a moment you know, why not be able to say that without instantly thinking, holy shit, I'm going to be so judged by everybody here, yeah. men and women, you know, because yeah. there's probably women in and around the workplace that haven't even considered menopause yet.
1: So what I really love is um, lots of women when, when we've, I mean, it does take a few tweaks with medication and, and the HRT to get them right. But they suddenly because you you ver- you also there's a common symptom in the perimenopause called the rage mm. it can be a little bit wild to begin with and then when it's it's brought under some control it's fabulous and so many women will I would say creep into the first appointment <laughs> and look ever so sort of meek and mild and terrified mm. and six months to a year later they are taking that baton and they are running with it and they are telling everyone at work they're setting up menopause groups <laughs> and it's brilliant so yeah. I think that again it's really really gaining momentum and it's just lovely to watch them because they'll they'll come in at the beginning and say oh, I haven't spoken to anyone about this mm. and you see them a couple of appointments later and they're literally telling everyone on the street to look out for symptoms yeah because I think that thing if this is not going to keep happening We are not going to allow women to keep experiencing this. And as you said, experiencing the shame because it isn't shameful.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it shouldn't be. Um, So I suppose from I'd had some questions come through on the question box that I put out today just to get a guide of how we steer this conversation. And to be fair, we've been Mm -hmm. answering quite a lot as we've been going through rather than just call out questions, which I like to do. But. Part of this, um, the, the kind of themes around the questions, is around that kind of initial conversation with GP or initial, like, I suspect I'm what do I do next type queries. Mm-hmm. Would that maybe be something that we can touch on now to look at what the next steps would be?
1: Yes, I think, um, firstly, accepting that menopause education is diabolical hmm. so
0: within what uh, realm within just the, the kind of out there in the public domain or
1: in, in in um for healthcare professionals okay
0: okay so for for gps in if, yeah. ten,
1: 10 years of training i had two hours on the menopause that was basically telling me not to prescribe hrt oh. under any circumstance it hasn't it is improving um but it's still unfortunately a bit of a postcode lottery as to which GP practice you go to Mm. their views on HRT, their knowledge on HRT. So it can be really frustrating. And I think, so there's some practical things. Your GP probably only has maximum 10 minutes for that appointment and you can't do a decent menopause consultation in 10 minutes, which doesn't mean that it shouldn't happen in general practice. You break it down. Mm. I would always say um, we would fill in a symptom questionnaire and if it looked as though it was perimenopause, Mm -hmm. women to go away and read as much as they possibly could before making the decision about whether they wanted to try HRT. Mm -hmm. Because I think there is, again, you have to reverse all the brainwashing that has happened over the years with the media, with everything else yeah and that's the same for healthcare professionals, because until a few years ago, even when you went on to sites that should be teaching sites, the information was wrong mm. it's one of those things that every which way you turn, the information is wrong in a lot of arenas, so even as we've said the the leaflets that come in the boxes mm. so even with vaginal estrogen, mm. which is ridiculously safe, the absorption is minimal. You pull the leaflet out and it will still say gives you heart attack, stroke, oh, clot, everything else. Yeah. It's really, and again, when you're feeling vulnerable. Yes. Then have all of these things that should be trusted. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting here going, well, actually, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. It's no wonder that you feel really sort of off-footed. So I think, again, you may find um, your first encounter not great. Mm-hmm your healthcare professional and you may have to try again and it can be really hard when you're feeling
2: mm-hmm. rotten
1: and um, but I think it is that thing of keep going there's very clear newish GMC guidance that this should be a shared decision and if the patient is informed then that their, their wishes should be taken into account okay and I think very often it's almost acknowledging that the GP may not have had much training mm-hmm and so not getting, try not to get frustrated with them. Um, a lot of GPs are really open to sort of trying to help, but really haven't got the toolkit to do it. So you'll yeah. you'll often see them fumbling around in the book, the drug book, to try and find out how to help you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And again, it's if you are informed and you know which regime that you should be on, mm-hmm. you well my friend is on this and this she's still having her periods and she's on this regime Mm -hmm. could I buy this for three months and see how my symptoms are and I think on both sides if if the GPs are still basing their knowledge on Mm -hmm. this out-of-date trial Mm -hmm. three months I think there's this psychological thing that somehow I'm giving this prescription this woman's going to go away and it's, it's I won't see her again. And what if something happens? And what if, what if, what if? Yeah. And if you say three months, then that takes that fear away.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: A reasonable sort of starting point as well for the woman. To, mm-hmm. So we would call it a trial of treatment. And then you know within that three months if you're on the right path.
0: I like that. Trial of treatment. That's really good. I think it's like you see, we almost have to... And why should we not, in a way, take responsibility for our own bodies? So we Mm -hmm. have to educate ourselves around this. And we touched on it right at the very start that, you know, we we get taught about sex education periods, but we never then learn about the other end of that when our fertile years are ending. Mm -hmm. So, again, there's that element of, okay, education-wise... Can we get something in there? And I know there's a lot yeah. happening in the background to get that put into yes. secondary school education. But then again, it comes that next tenfold of our 13, 14, 15, 16, 17-year-olds really going to be thinking in detail about that. It's It's good as a kind of instant snapshot to be aware of it. And then mm-hmm. it's what's next, though. So I suppose social media is such a good tool for... Yeah women and men if they want to learn about this as well in their 20s 30s 40s to be able to touch upon you know your social media site the newson health and the menopause charity social media sites to then learn about evidence-based non-biased evidence rather than media opinion or from the back of this trial i think it was the whi trial that you talked about previously that is just false information
1: and I think again, the resources are there now um, to, if you want to dig even further, mm. there's the book "Estrogen Matters," which goes through the clinical trials. Mm. Um, on the Menopause Doctor website, there's a, an hour long lecture by Professor James Simon, a lecture that he gave to clinicians um, in in the states, breaking down the WHI trial. So you can you can really dig down, and often will end up possibly knowing more than your healthcare professional because Mm. i mean especially as a gp you have to know something about everything
0: yes and that's understandable that they can't you know gps in general can't then take us as kind of specialist is what the word i was looking for a specialist viewpoint of i'm going to go down this route and that's going to be my specialism and area of expertise because that's not what a general practitioner is designed and there to do so we appreciate that and By no means or manner is this a a, a jibe or a dig at general practitioners that they don't know about the menopause. But equally, I think it's about if we know and we've known for quite a while that there's a gap within that knowledge, I go to my GP for them to be my medical expert initially. They're my first point of contact to at least say, I know something's not right. I need your help. And if you can't help me, please refer me to where I yeah. can be seen by a specialist, and we And this is don't where it's, it's
1: it's so wrong at the mm-hmm. moment because again, something that happens to fifty one percent of the population is not a niche topic. No,
0: nope. and, and it's not like it might happen. It does no, happen. It will happen. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I think that's the thing. I mean, it's it would it would be unheard of for a GP to finish their training and have never covered diabetes. Can you imagine the outcry with that?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, you don't, I'm pre- you're preaching to the converted on this one. I completely, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. totally. And
1: I think, I mean, thankfully um, we're getting the, I'm getting sort of the feeling back from women that a lot of GPs are now very keen to learn and there's the 14 Fish Education Programme, which is for healthcare professionals. Yeah. And so they go off and, and do that in their own time and then they will feel more, because it's really awful as a mm-hmm. GP and I had it for years on the back of this two hours training, mm-hmm. just thinking I have no structure for this consultation. Yeah. So normally you, you have a baseline and you know you have a step-by-step if this treatment doesn't work, if this yeah. if you want to go on this route, I know what to advise. Whereas this was just an absolute, I haven't got a clue. And it's an awful position to be in as a GP and I think that's again what causes the frustration and this is why lots of blood tests are ordered to mm. try and sort of get something to hang on to please let it be anything other than menopause because yeah, I know all these other little things little, and I don't this yeah, really yeah. Um, so it's just not fair to them so I yeah. think um, again the, the younger GPs are really I mean again it sort of fits a lot of the younger GPs who have a real interest in lifestyle medicine mm. and I think that's ails beautifully with it because there are a lot of lifestyle factors involved as well. Yeah, yeah. And again, on the curriculum, there's a lot of time spent on having shared consultations. But for shared consultations, both sides need some knowledge.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: This is where, as I say, we need to bring it together because it's such a satisfying consultation to do well.
0: Yeah, especially if you know what yeah, the I end result is helping that lady to literally... You know, this is literally between someone living their life or just surviving through a really horrible stage of life. Yeah, and yeah. I think that you know, you, you kind of touched upon there around, you know, the, the the GP maybe ordering some bloods, but equally that's you know, that this is another question that came out around: how do I know if I'm perimenopausal? Is there a test I can get to do that to, I mean, to almost tell me? There's,
1: there's lots of um unscrupulous companies Mm -hmm. selling tests at the moment and they're really just not worth the money. Now, the problem is, is classically a blood test called the FSH um, was the one that was sort of highlighted to to diagnose this or your periods having stopped for a certain amount of time. Now, lots of women are on contraception. Mm -hmm. So you won't know about their periods. And what we actually know is so the the f s h is so you have a feedback loop, and when your ovarian function is starting to diminish the f s h will shout a bit louder, it will get higher in numbers now the problem is this fluctuates in the perimenopause it's not set in mm-hmm. it's, it's not tick so you could have you could measure somebody's f s h on every day for thirty days and it would be raised on two and normal the rest of the time
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that in that she's not perimenopausal, but we there must be gallons and gallons of blood tests out there and they it's that thing of well they're normal yeah. and it's I had a wonderful old um when I started in my old practice as a one of the older GPs and it was very common sense he said look and listen to the patient
0: yeah that's good like him <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's true I mean if lady's presenting to you in front of your eyeballs But her bloods are saying she's fine. And actually, you can clearly see she's not fine, whether it's from an emotional response or whether it's from some physical ailments or, you know, again, so many symptoms with the menopause that it could literally be a multitude of different things that she comes to you with. I think you're absolutely right. And I think this right. is
1: where this trial of treatment idea works, mm,
0: really. Wonderful. Yeah. Unless
1: unless you're not absorbing particularly well, which does happen sometimes, but generally you'll get mm. a an idea within three months. The other thing, as I said, there's a hurdle everywhere. There could be a hurdle with menopause care. So there was a, an email, I think it was 2019, to all GPs saying that HRT should be the lowest dose, shortest time. Right. And that is completely incorrect. Yeah. Um, societies around the world have come back and said that's incorrect and what it should have said was the lowest dose to control symptoms so those
0: tiny little words that they forgot to put on the end of that sentence literally yeah Mm -hmm.
1: so again we see a lot of women sort of coming through the clinic Mm -hmm. have been put on a level of estrogen that would probably help a 95 year old yeah It's not going to help a 40 year old.
0: And this is it. It's not a one size fits all. And, you know, much to the kind of misconception that HRT is a box of pills that everybody gets and it's, you know, Mm. labelled HRT and off you go, here's your box of pills, on you go. That's, you know, not not the case. And I think that this is, it's about building, like you say, your trial of treatment around what might work for you because it's, you know, what works for you might not work for me. And we need to be able to know and understand that our bodies are unique and we need to work and i think with that's the them. other
1: thing as well i mean it's it's not a magic wand it's a really good base layer
0: mm. to
1: start to address the other changes that you often need to make at this time yes correct because you often find that you need to make mm-hmm. trick it's a big stock take as well it's looking at our future bone brain heart health mm-hmm again whether you're choosing to go down the HRT route or not down the HRT route I think this is the time where you really need to seriously look at lifestyle and look at things that you possibly need to change Mm -hmm. that's the that's the thing is if you have a have terrible nutrition Mm -hmm. HRT is not going to it's it's not the be-all and end-all there's a lot of things and I think this is why Again, it's just accepting that this is a transition. It's not an overnight thing Correct. that you yeah. have to go through it to some extent. Mm-hmm. And again, with the sort of psychological things, you you often find that the unresolved women can have some really vivid dreams mm-hmm. during time. And I think it's your brain is sort of trying to shed stuff that doesn't need to be there, mm-hmm. and sometimes need to have, go and have a little bit of help with that with counselling. So it's I think it's being open um, and again sort of really starting to cut out the noise and tune into what your body wants
0: yes yeah I love that I love that and you know that's something again that I'm personally massively passionate about is listening to your body because it communicates Mm. with you trillions of times throughout the entire day but yet will ignore a lot of those telltale signs and signals and Mm. for some of the times it can be because we just don't understand what's happening or we don't we're not able to then put kind of the the equation together to think, hang on a minute, this has been happening for a length of time now. It's not normal for me. I'm best speaking up and finding out if this possibly is the start of my perimenopause. And we touched on this on the last conversation that we'd had. I am 37, I'll be 38 this year. And last year I went through some gynecology checkups just on the back of some symptoms. And at the time, mentioned it to the consultant that mm-hmm. could potentially the other symptoms I'm experiencing be perimenopause. And, oh, no, 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 not at 37. You're far too young. You've got another 10 years before you need to worry about that. And straight away from the knowledge that I, small amount of knowledge a year ago that I had on the perimenopause, I very much even knew right then that I knew my body. And yes. although he was the medical professional and expert i knew my body and something wasn't yes. right so yeah. yeah i mean it's not got to the point where i'm needing to seek you know hormone replacement therapies or anything right now it's manageable and like you say through lifestyle through choices of nutrition through changes <sighs> in that that realm
1: but i think that's the again with with younger women it is really really important that you have your hormones mm mm-hmm. So it is, and again, I wish we'd... So that's instantly assuming that you're not permitted to have these symptoms at 37.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it did kind of hit me a bit to think, well, it, you know, he, he was, I would refer to him as more of an old school, maybe, maybe okay. practitioner, but equally, how many more women have been told that, that have then left there thinking, oh, well, that's fine, I've got another 10 years before these yeah. things happen, you know? But
1: And they could have 10 years of not having a clue why all Mm. these things are happening.
0: Yeah. And then it's the implications.
1: Potentially low estrogen, which has a huge impact on
0: bone art's brains. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, I think this is the, it's not, you know, not to put kind of a fear or a negative remark into this conversation, but it's something Mm. that women do need to be aware of that, you know, that the kind of replacing of those hormones or Mm. making sure that your body has, the adequate levels of hormones Mm. to be able to function healthily. And, you know, you've got to think of it in a way that it's not. okay. so some women will opt not to replace those hormones. And, you know, it's all choice. And I think that's what's the beautiful thing with this. But But
1: there's a slight caveat with that. And that would be mm, that younger women would be the ones where I really would twist their arms to. To take um, it, yeah it's so there's a as i say there's an increased risk of osteoporosis heart disease dementia if you don't so that's yeah slight caveat normally um if you're in the older bracket yeah. yes absolutely it's your educated choice yeah whereas yeah. with with younger women it's mm-hmm. you need these hormones you need to and do it. Yeah. we know um that younger women again there's absolutely no increased risk of breast cancer mm-hmm I think, again, we just need everyone to... It's that figure, again, that one in a hundred women will be menopausal under the age of 40. Yeah, absolutely. That's
0: not rare. No. I know. I know. This, this is absolutely it. And I think... So when you say, um, you know, younger women would need to uh-huh. take... You would basically be saying, I really, really need you to take this prescription and I really need you to start this replacement well, what you,
1: so again it's it's the, the younger you are um there is a, it's, it's slightly different so everyone 45 and over the NICE guidelines are really clear you do not need an FSH blood test you can mm-hmm. go on symptoms as you start to get younger then you you have to as I say if under 40s you're starting just to make sure that there is nothing at occasion it can be linked to autoimmune conditions mm-hmm. um with younger women as well we need to look at things like fertility and where their wishes and do we need to sort of get acting on that um are there implications with that and then really young women um it's sort of you you, you add you do add some investigations with younger women mm-hmm. and again really young women you, you're looking to see if there's a genetic cause or is there some reason for this yeah. that may also have another impact on health hmm uh, even again even if the set of blood tests came back if you are fitting that symptom questionnaire and you're saying that i have changed i'm experiencing these symptoms and all of these autoimmune blood tests and everything else are, are fine it hasn't mm-hmm. thrown up any clues then we would be saying try some estrogen yeah and just see whether these symptoms settle down and yeah. if they do then again, we're more aware of looking into things like dexabone density scans and checking that your bone density is fine.
2: Yeah.
1: And we're really looking at sort of future health. So it's a, a slightly mm-hmm. scale. But the thing is, we just need the radar to open up mm-hmm. much wider to start looking for it. Once you, it's it's really strange. And Sarah Ball did a, um, a sort of bit of an experiment when she was starting on this journey
2: mm-hmm.
1: but the symptom checker. And every woman that came in for a consultation, she's flipped it on its head and thought, could this be perimenopause?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And it literally, it's so odd. It sort of just screams at you from the woodwork. Yeah, so
0: much going on.
1: So many people Mm. are misdiagnosed with this, that and the other. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Even if you look at the symptoms of things like fibromyalgia.
0: Correct, yeah,
1: yeah. Think how many women are misdiagnosed with that. Mm
0: Mm-hmm absolutely
1: yeah and And this is what we need the menopause goggles on to start seeing it to
0: see yeah exactly and that's exactly what you know everything you've just said it's just literally gold dust that for a lot of women that just aren't aware they may Mm. be experiencing some of these you know symptoms really and not Mm. fully being aware of why and it's not that you it's have the thing to I you know
1: it feels awful to. Um, so again, with that gynecologist, it would be. Well, I'd actually like a second opinion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it, it it does feel awful. And. But I think if again gynecologists aren't given mandatory menopause training. Yeah. So it is. It is that standing your ground and. Mm. Again tuning in, and I know something isn't quite right.
0: Perfect. And Yeah.
1: I'm, To accept your well, your bloods are normal. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. So it can be, and it may be even moving practice or speaking to different GPs, Mm -hmm. or again just saying, can I? Well, can I just try it for three months and see how I get on?
0: I like I like that approach. I like the whole, and I think a lot of women, especially those that have asked these questions, so in my Instagram question box, a lot of it was around you know how how can I be tested? How do I know when I'm perimenopausal? Mm -hmm. You know, even at the age of 31, how can I open this conversation with my doctor? Mm-hmm. So it's all these types of questions are coming through. And I think that for a, a lot of this, like you say, there's, there's rogue tests out there that will claim to test you for menopause. But if anybody, you know, listening to this right now is thinking of ordering one of those, it's just yes, wasting right. your money. So, yes. yeah, you know your body yourself. And listening to what Zoe has outlined in terms of you know, just being alert to the changes, being aware that actually doing a bit of a, a a trial run of can I just test or can I use the next three months to try oestrogen?
1: And, yeah, and I think it's that. I mean, it's, it's again another myth that your periods have to have stopped. They mm, don't. Yeah, yeah, they can, they can change. And I think I mean I was absolutely hopeless at tracking mine. <laughs> Um, and then when you do start you go oh okay it's been six weeks instead of four weeks and it's not quite the same and getting all the other things oh light bulb
0: (laughs) yeah exactly and for some women like myself i have the marina coil so i don't have a monthly bleed at all i don't know if i'm having a period i couldn't tell you yeah
1: yeah and this is the (laughs) again it's that that thing of um you you have a marina already that's half of your hrt yeah
0: um, yeah. That's, to uh, <laughs> I know it's so great but you know something and this is probably just a, a personal point as well after I had my coil replaced at the end of last year so it was due for renewal had it replaced as part of all of those checkups with gynecology my symptoms with the itchy skin completely mm-hmm. disappeared for okay. months absolutely disappeared fluctuate so I've noticed that it's a fluctuation at certain points in the month so once maybe for a few days in the month I will then Mm -hmm. have a flare-up where again it's just around the kind of arms and legs and belly region Mm -hmm. but it's way more manageable now than what it was when we last spoke in October so it just shows you that it has what I believe been a hormonal impact and it's manifested itself for me in itchy skin.
1: I think that's the thing because it's you can guarantee that the day that you end up with the GP appointment yeah <laughs> symptoms, and then you think oh I don't know why whether I should book this appointment because I actually mm. haven't got any symptoms and I think that's why that's the, the say the tracker and the mm. zip- questionnaire.
0: yeah can help you just have
1: to convince yourself that it's not just due to stress or mm. being busy or everything else Completely. there is there is
0: change yeah so on that note then it's probably quite a good point to make around for symptom trackers, for seeking for some additional community style support, that the balance app would be a very, very good thing to I suppose
1: invite yeah, I think, people
0: to to download.
1: Yeah, so, sort of said that I'm I'm absolutely hopeless with IT and even I I think that was one of the testing things. Yeah. I pulled on one of the um that if you can use it we figure anyone can. <laughs> so <laughs> it passed that test.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Great. But, again it, and it will also create a report that so it is that thing of it quite easily you can start to see a pattern emerging and again I think with lots of these things and social media you can dip a toe in the water can't you You don't have to engage in the conversation
2: mm. Yeah. just
1: observe yeah and then you start to see oh actually they're the same age as me and they've had these symptoms mm-hmm. and this is how they navigated the journey and this is what they chose to do yeah and this is how they change their nutrition and that's it. So even if you don't want to particularly join in with the conversation, you can mm-hmm. still
0: follow along
1: free knowledge, can't you? Yeah,
0: absolutely. And like you say, there's way more resources yeah. readily available now for free, as well as paid yes. services. So I think from that point of view, there really is something for everyone in terms of how deep they want to learn or you know how much they don't want to know. They just maybe want to know the basics around, well, how do I seek help and get others yeah. to do that with me? I think that it comes way, way back to the questions that I've been asked to bring to you today. We've covered off in this entire conversation. And I, you know a lot of it was down to, well, when do I know? And how will I know? And I think to summarise what we've talked about, you will know when you start to notice changes in your own yeah. body. You will know when... All of a sudden, things that you've never experienced before, like for me, itchy skin, or yeah. like you've said, you know, other women that I'm currently working with are going through that period of really vivid dreams, and yeah. you know, it's not just the hot flushes or the night sweats; it's actually other things that completely. But even can...
1: I mean, very often things like the vulvovaginal symptoms can yes. start way, way, way before. Yeah, and um, I cringe when it was only after reading Jane Lewis's book. The, me and my menopausal vagina mm-hmm. and I suddenly realised that again we've got vats of blood that is normal and we've got vats of urine that yeah. always comes back normal yeah and suddenly, oh my goodness this is low vaginal estrogen
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: they might not have any other symptoms but the ones that they're getting are making their lives really miserable absolutely nobody has ever joined the dots because it's another thing that we were never talked about.
0: That's it. And again, it's the word vagina, right? There's a lot of people out there that even just now will either have the whole giggle in the background or, you know, and it's, it's just, I don't know why, but it's just become that whole point of we, we shouldn't talk about vaginal dryness. Why would we talk about that in front of people? Why would we admit that actually I have to use lubrication when I have sex with my partner? Because if I don't, there's no way in hell we're going to be able to do it. And yep. that's an indication that actually if it's affecting things like that, that can have knock-on impacts. And this is a whole other conversation yep. yes. on those relationships. So, yep. you know, it's, it's, it's a bit of everything about you kind of look at it as your self-protection zone of, I know that something isn't right with my body and if I don't agree that my bloods have come back fine, you know, I've had urine tests, I've, you know, everything's come back fine, I'm healthy, which is great. I'm glad to know that. But there's still something not right. So let's discuss a trial period then of at least me trying some estrogen replacement for a three-month period and see how the symptoms go. And if they don't change, we know that that's not been a supporter. Yeah,
1: we've not not lost anything. Mm -hmm.
0: And it's not detrimental to health to be able to do that trial for those three months. So it's kind of a win-win. I love that
1: and as I say it's, it's this is why we need everyone so back on the um the vulva vaginal symptoms it's I don't know how many women are not going for their smear tests because it was so uncomfortable last time yeah and we know I think it's about 80 percent of women will end up at some point in their lives with symptoms of low vaginal estrogen percent mm-hmm. speak to a healthcare professional
0: completely yeah don't need to go through. So again, maybe just before we end this conversation, would you be able to give an overview then on what those symptoms might include for ladies if they're currently listening to this thinking, oh, I wonder if that's me?
1: They, so do you mean the perimenopause or the, vulvo- no,
0: vaginal- the vulvovaginal? No, vulvovaginal. It's dysfunction in a way, yeah. isn't it? So it's that kind of um, low estrogen in the vagina area. What are the symptoms that we could potentially experience?
1: So if we look at what's actually happening there, um, if you again you can lose thirty percent of your collagen throughout mm-hmm. your skin, and that means that you haven't got quite the support of the for the bladder because the bladder sits next sits next to the vagina. You so can lose you feel the pressure then sitting in there. So you can get yeah get bladder symptoms yeah, and it's the whole of the pelvic floor. Mm. So you can get tight skin, you can get itchy skin that can go right up to your bottom. But mm-hmm. again, is you've not put the two and two together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sex can become uncomfortable because you don't have the normal lubrication. You yeah. can start to get a funny smell mm. that comes of those. You can get symptoms that feel like thrush, but you have swabs done and there's no thrush. In there. You can have symptoms that feel like a urine infection. So the best, um, and we actually would like women to self-examine and mm. start doing that early. Mm-hmm. Other conditions that so nothing to do with estrogen, that if you catch them early, they are treatable. And again, so you want to keep an eye on your vulval tissue and just make sure there aren't any abnormalities that need checking out. And Jane Lewis, again, there's a brilliant, brilliant leaflet on her website. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's Mm mymenopausalvagina.co.uk. It's the downloads. It's got all of the anatomy. So especially with the telephone consultations that are happening at the moment, you know which bit you're talking about.
0: Yeah.
1: And then it's got a checklist of everything to look out for
0: brilliant
1: her book is incredible Mm -hmm. um I would say that every woman should read that and it's a a great one for book groups as well just to open up the conversation yeah and it's
0: got the word vagina on the cover so why would you not so (laughs) brilliant I will link that in the show notes as well for women so that they can um take a look at what that that book looks like so that they can purchase it if they wish but do you know I think that you I could talk to you forever and I need to be fully aware that I've already used an hour of your time
1: to... I do apologise. I don't know if you heard any snuffling in the background. Our border terrier kept popping up. Oh, no, <laughs> you're a good. A bit of a blocked nose
0: at the moment. Bless. I know it's the whole
1: it off now.
0: <laughs> working from home situation just now. I normally have kids bursting in going, Mum, can I have dinner? And like, no, I'm recording a podcast. <laughs> but yeah, it's all good. But listen, absolutely. So... Thrilled and happy that you gave me this hour, gave us and the listeners this hour of your brain and your time to just chat through this. Um you literally could talk to you forever on it. It's just so interesting and you're so we'll have knowledgeable. Have another catch up later in the year Yes, I know, brilliant. We'd love it. <laughs> that'll be a whole year by then that'll have gone round. But um thank you, Zoe, so much for your time. I am going to link where people can follow you on Instagram. And I'll also link to Newsome Health as well, where people can, ladies, men, and find I was going to say as well,
1: the other thing on the Newsome Health, um, so on the Menopause Doctor website, sorry, so menopausedoctor.co.uk, mm-hmm. you get resources, the leaflets and booklets can all be downloaded and printed off and taken to your GP.
0: Amazing. That's amazing. So, so ladies the- listening to this, if you feel that you just need that little bit... Kind of armory and guidance before you yes. go, then absolutely. I like pen. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, actually, this says, and yes. and you know, I think it can be just to finish off. It can be quite a daunting thing to go into a GP's room for your ten minute slot. To then say that almost you, you kind of almost go there to say, "This is what's wrong. What do you think I should do?" Mm-hmm. Instead, we're almost arming ourselves to go in and say. I suspect this, and this is what I want from you.
1: Yeah, and this is what I would like to try. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Love that.
0: So assertive. Yes. Yes. This is what we need. This is it. We're worth it. Absolutely. (laughs) It is not just about our symptoms at that time. It is about our future health and well-being in the long run. Love it. And on that note, I am probably going to make a GP appointment for myself. To have a conversation about some estrogen trial for twelve months and see where we go. Yes. Thank you. Appreciate everything. Thank you so much. Another one done. (laughs) Wonderful. So, wait. Thank you. I do, like I say, appreciate you taking the time. And if there's any questions that come through, I will answer as many as I can from my area of expertise. But anything outside that um, remit and that, well, yeah. Brilliant. I really appreciate you. Thank you. All
1: right. And um, yes, think about bone density Scan
0: as well, madam. Absolutely. Ladies, I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I enjoyed recording it with Dr. Hodson. As always, I absolutely appreciate every subscription and every review that I can get on this podcast. So if you have enjoyed listening to this episode, please do go ahead and leave a review and subscribe. And if you can, the one task I'm gonna ask you to take away from today after listening to this is to share this episode as far and as wide as you possibly can with the other amazing ladies in your life. How amazing would it be if we could reach way more women around the world and give them the support and potentially the knowledge that they need to be able to go to their GPs and their medical professionals armed with the information to help their menopausal journey. So let's make this our task for today. Thank you so much in advance for doing it.